Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo. Welcome to Shedding Shackles. Today's topic is Believe into Jesus. And now, here's your Shedding Shackles host, Roland Trujillo. Hello everyone, welcome. My name is Roland. The program is called Shedding Shackles. And today, let's get the program off to a good start with a caller. Here is Linda from Massachusetts. Hi, Roland. This is uh, Linda calling from Greenfield, Massachusetts. And I have a question. I'm reading your... Thank you so much uh, for all your your radio shows and um, your books. They're fantastic. Really helping me understand, make sense uh why I've struggled with certain things um, because of resentment. But specifically, I'm reading Waking Up from a Lifetime of Hypnosis. And here you were talking about Christians, and you said um, to believe into Jesus, I-N-T-O, believe into Jesus, and you have those in capital letters. I'm just wondering what that means, uh, believe into Jesus. Thanks, Linda. That's a very good question. I want to read something to you. That might be a good way to begin. I want to read you something from the Gospel of John, chapter 17. Christ is praying to the Father, and he says, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I have also sent them into the world. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself, that they might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also, who shall believe in me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they may also be one in us that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And thy glory which thou gavest me, I have given them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them, and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, and that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. That's a most beautiful passage. It was so beautiful. I could read it again and again and again. Can you see that that it's not enough to just believe? See, it's one thing to believe that uh, one plus one equals two, and that's good. If you believe one plus one equals two, that's good. And it's better to believe that than to believe some kind of a lie. And it's good to know that Jesus exists. That's good. But I was reading something very interesting recently. It was from A.W. Tozer. It was his book, God's Pursuit of Man. And he said that in his foreword to the book, he says that the book is about the interior life of the Christian. He said that really, 
what Christianity is about and what true religion is about is the interior life. Now, what kind of a life, what kind of an interior life do most people have? Well, it's a secret life of hate. That's right, of hating other people, of resenting this person and resenting that person and judging this person and judging that person, being angry at this person and having a grudge against that person. Do you understand? And it's also a secret life of use, wanting to use someone or something for your own personal glorification in one way or another. It's a secret life of that. And then it's also a secret life of the whirlpool of thought and the whirlpool of imagination. It's a secret life of worrying about this and scheming about this and planning for that and remembering this and regretting that and having a grudge against this person for that and never forgetting what somebody said to you or did to you. It's a secret life of endlessly trying to get some kind of advantage. So it's a secret life of selfishness, and it is fed by the imagination. Now, little children, little children have an imagination, and it's perfectly proper. Little children are not yet ready to face reality, so they have their imagination. It's a kind of a protection. It's a shield from what they're not yet prepared to face. And it's sweet and it's innocent. But before long, we are in our imagination all the time. But we're not in our imagination with the sweet, innocent play of children anymore. No, we're in our imagination resenting this person for what she said, and that person for what he said behind your back, and this person for not honoring you and glorifying you. You understand? Ever lost in the imagination to escape from reality, so we become escape artists. So what is in so, so the interior life of most people is a life of resentment, a life of feeling empty and unfulfilled, and a life of trying to fill the emptiness, fill the emptiness with thoughts, with imagination, with schemes, with dreams, and then fill the fill the emptiness with food and with drugs, and with alcohol, and with pleasure, and with distraction, and with excitement. And so we become escape artists. But why are we empty? Why are we empty? Because we've, we're separated from God. See, Christ, he said, you in me, and I in you, and they in me, and they in thee. You see, he said it so beautifully. So, do you see, there is an expression... I don't know if it's still popular now, but uh, years ago, people used to say, well, I'm into this, or I'm into that. I'm really into art, or I'm into poetry, or I'm into food, or something like that. Well, that's the problem. See, we're into so many things, but when you get into them, as one man so very well said, they get into you. You get into something, and then it begins to dominate you from the inside. If you have a question or need advice, call our listener call-in line at 510-455-8851. That's 510-455-8851.
See, when you get into your work, see, it's one thing to work. We all have to work. It's one thing to work, and you do your job, you do your duty to earn a little money, and then you do the next thing, whatever that is, to be with your family or whatever. But when you get into your work because you want something from it, and you're using your work for some, for some secret egotistical purpose, and then what happens is somebody notices that, and then they deny you something that you want. They don't tell you that you did a good job. They don't give you a raise. But maybe they do, maybe they do give you money. They give you a raise, but then they want, but then they want something more from you. Don't they for that raise? They want more from you. And then you resent that. See? So you get into your work, and your work is in you. And then you lay down at night, and it keeps going round and round in your head, remembering things that happened during the day. Do you understand? Well, you don't, you don't want it to be that way. You don't want outside people in your head. I remember, Ann, do you remember Ann Landers? But I remember Ann Landers once said something like, she said, resentment is really a dumb thing. To, to resent somebody is really dumb because you're giving someone that you hate permanent 24-7 residence inside your head. Something like that. But isn't that the truth? So now you have to understand why you mustn't get into things. It doesn't mean that you can't work. It doesn't mean that you can't enjoy your food. It doesn't mean that you can't watch a movie or listen to music. It doesn't mean that. But not too much. What did Christ say? He gave us the advice. Remember I said in my last program that Christ was the greatest stress management expert that ever lived. And he said it all. He said it all. What did he say? He said, forgive others. In other words, don't resent them. Don't hate them. Overlook their little uh, mistakes. Let it pass. And then he said, put first the kingdom of God and his right way, and all other things will be added unto you. See? That's all you have to do. So then you can work, you can eat, you can have recreation, but with a light touch. The sign that you're into something is that it's in your head. Well, if that happens, then just see it. See the emotion, but don't resent that. See the resentment, but don't resent the resentment. See the anger. See how anger puts things in your head, but don't resent seeing it. You understand? See the fact that you're too caught up in something. You're too involved in something. You're too dependent on something. You can't say no to it. How many of you, you go to the closet and you think, well, I've got so many things in my closet, I should throw something out. And then you pick one thing up and you say, well, maybe I'll need that. So you don't, you don't throw it away. Then you get the next thing. Well, it is kind of nice. And you don't throw it away. And another thing, and another thing. And eventually, you can't let go of anything hardly. That's your whole life. You have to learn to let things go. Let it go. But especially let the grudges go. And learn to stand back. Now, here we go. See, if you want to have, as A.W. A. Tozer talked about, an interior life, a beautiful interior life, with Christ, with God. 
then those other things have got to go. Now, you can't force them to grow. If you try to struggle and get those thoughts out of your mind, if you try to struggle with your emotions and so on, it, you're just going to make it worse. It's more involvement. You understand the struggle is more involvement. Stand, learn the art of standing back and watching. Christ so often said, watch. So just watch people. Don't hate them. Don't resent them. Don't try to change them. Don't want anything from them. Just watch them. Have you ever seen a good grandma? There's a good grandma or a good grandpa sitting on the couch, and there are the little grandchildren playing, and he just watches them or she watches them. And he loves to see all the sweet little things that they do and the cute little things that they do, and just watches and makes sure that they're safe. And once in a while, they rush up and say, Grandma, I love you, and give you a kiss, and then they rush away and play. And it's sweet, but you don't want anything from them. You're just watching. So you must learn to have that kind of an attitude in life. Go to work. Yeah, work. Earn your money. Do your duty. If you can do a little extra without resenting it, then do it. If you can't, then just, then you can't. That's all. But don't want too much out of it. It was one of the Beatles. Was it George Harrison? I think it was. I, I'm not sure. I can't remember right now. But I think it might have been George Harrison. He said, life is a birthday cake. So have a piece, but not too much. That's it. Have a piece, but not too much. So then, then, see, if you didn't resent it in the first place, then nothing would get in your head. If you didn't make anything too important, in the first place, it wouldn't be in your head in the second place. So from now on, put first the kingdom of God. Don't resent other people. Don't expect anything from other people. Don't want anything. Don't resent other people. Don't judge them. Just go about your business. And new things won't get in your head. But how about all the stuff that's already in there? Just watch it also. Just watch it. Don't struggle with it. God knows how to clear it up. He knows how to wipe away the tears and to wipe away the bad memories. One day, it'll be like they never happened. He can make that happen. God can. But you have to let him into your life. And the way you do that is learning to stand back from people and not resent them and from things and not make them too important. And go about your life and when you see that you're too much into this, don't resent seeing it. When you see that you resent somebody, see that, realize it's wrong, but don't resent yourself. Don't add more resentment to the resentment. You understand? And life will be simple, and the things from the past will fade away, and then there will be room for new discoveries, new adventuring, new joys, and for God to enter your life. You're listening to Shedding Shackles, helping you navigate life's challenges with poise and confidence. If you have a question or need advice, call our listener call-in line at 510-455-8851. That's 510-455-8851.
This is Jeremiah Trujillo, the producer of Shedding Shackles. I'm also a pianist and played some of the music that you hear on Shedding Shackles, such as the Rhapsody in Blue by the American composer George Gershwin. Thanks for listening. Hello everyone, my name is Roland, welcome back. The program, Shedding Shackles, and Linda called in on our listener call-in line, and she has a question. Hi Roland, this is uh, Linda, uh, calling from Greenfield, Massachusetts. Yeah, I have another question too, and that is, um, I don't know if I can ask you, but I'll try it. <laughs> Uh, the wonderful um, talk you had on repentance, or one of the talks, and my understanding of repentance is that, well, using Paul as an example on the road to Damascus, he was just doing his thing, you know, persecuting the Christians, and and all of a sudden he was struck by a light, and it wasn't until the light of Jesus and the light of Christ touched him that he saw the error of his ways and um, repented. So, um, if I have the story correct. So anyway, I'm just wondering about that, but that's my understanding. And I couldn't even, without the light of God, so I wouldn't even want to know the truth if there wasn't already some light happening. Or anybody for that matter. There must first be some some light of God before there's even awareness that we need help. That's my understanding. So if you have a comment, I'd love to hear that. And thank you so much again. Bye-bye. Thanks, Linda. That's actually very a very good question. And very perceptively put, you said it very well. You said the question and you you answered it, and your answer is very, very good. There has to be light. There has to be light first. In the beginning, God, the very first thing he did, he said, let there be light. There has to be light. And perceptive theologians have noted that. A.W. Tozer noted it. And so did Emanuel Swedenborg, how at the very beginning, the very beginning of the creation story is also the story of the coming of the light and the birth of the new person in God and in Christ. First, there has to be light. Now, God is able to do things in different ways, and he had for, and different ways for different people. You know that's true with uh, with some people. For some people, you can hardly get their attention unless you get into a shouting match with them. That's the only way you can get their attention. But then once you have their attention, see, then you can make your points. Otherwise, they just out-talk you and they out-shout you. You have to out-shout them, not because you're angry, no. But you can't be intimidated. You have to make your point. And with other people, it can be very gentle. And shouting would be the absolute 
wrong thing, the worst thing you could do. Well, with some people, God has to get their attention in a very big way. And he does something very dramatic. And that's the way it was with Paul. That's how he got Paul's attention. But mostly, it's very gentle. And so, repentance does have to be, the light has to be there. Because you cannot repent yourself. God repents you. And it usually begins in a very gentle way. I will tell the story again that I've told so many times, and I'm going to tell it again. Some of you have heard it before. Hope you don't mind. But it's a true story about a young man in his 20s, a very, very angry person. Then he just just became angry at everything. Well, he was driving along one day, and a lady came from the lane beside him and pulled in front of his car. Well, he thought she cut him off, which she really hadn't. She just changed lanes, but uh, he was angry. So he drove up beside her car and rolled the window down. And the lady's window was rolled down. And he began yelling at the lady. Well, in the front seat, sitting in the passenger seat, was a little girl, probably the daughter of the lady. And when this young man started yelling mean things, the little girl burst into tears. And when the man saw the little girl burst into tears, he slowed his car down and pulled over to the side of the street and parked. And he sat there and wept. He sobbed, great big sobs. Because for the first time in in a long time, he saw how wrong he was. And it took the tears of a little girl, of an innocent little girl, to awaken him to his own wrong. Do you understand? Well, her tears awoke him. But what did they awaken him to? They awakened him to the inner light from God, to conscience. Mostly, God doesn't talk to us with words. Mostly, he doesn't strike us down with lightning or, you know, with blindness on a path somewhere. Mostly, he shines his light upon things. And in his light, when we're ready, we see. And what's the first thing that we see? We see our own wrong. So that's how repentance begins. Usually, it usually begins in little moments like that. And then somehow you're ready. And then all of a sudden, God sees that you're ready. And then he turns up the dimmer switch. You know, like in many dining rooms, there's a dimmer switch for the chandelier over the dining room table where you can make it brighter or less bright or dimmer. Well, he turns the light up using the dimmer switch. And all of a sudden, but you're ready. See, before, you didn't want to see. See, that's the thing. Before, you didn't want to see. And I'm sure you've heard the the expression. God wants volunteers, not conscripts. He doesn't force himself on anybody. See, other people, they, they force themselves on you, don't they? Not God. He waits. When you're ready, he sees that you're ready. And, and when are you ready? When you want to know the truth. You're sick and tired of being sick and tired. You're tired of hating people. You don't want to hate people anymore. And you want answers. You want real answers, not phony answers. You've tried everything. You tried self-help. You tried psychology. You tried 
all kinds of religions and different practices and different denominations and different books and different leaders. You went to seminars. You looked everywhere. You couldn't find the answer. And then all of a sudden, one day, you cry out, and God answers. And how does he answer? He turns up the light, and all of a sudden you see, oh my God, I hated my mom. I, I hated my dad, my wife, or my husband. I hated him. You see things like that. And it makes you sad to see him. And you regret what you see. But how are you regretting? You're regretting in God's light. Now the light shines on it and you see. But you also see that he doesn't hate you. All he wants is for you to see you're wrong and be sorry. And then wipe the tears away and then you're friends again. It's like, and then life is sweet again. It's like the prodigal son. Do you remember the prodigal son? He went away and he wasted his inheritance. And then when he was far from home and had wasted everything, he thought, I'd be much better off at home with my father. So he made the long trip home, and the closer he got to the door, the more afraid he was. And he didn't want to knock, and he was afraid. And then finally he knocked on the door, and the father opened it. And he said, Father, he said, I'm sorry. I squandered everything, and I just want you to know I'm sorry. And his father said, Welcome, my son. I had lost a son, and now my son is back. Let's have a feast, because my son is back. All I wanted you to see is to see that you're wrong. Now you're back. Let's be a good father and son again. That's all. It's so simple. That's all it takes. See, it's all about the interior life. It's all about a relationship. You know that. Everything that's ever gone wrong in your life, it's all about relationships. You hated your dad. It's angry at this person and that person. You're tired of hating people. You don't want to hate people anymore. Now you must make everything right. Start by becoming right with your conscience, with what you know wordlessly in your heart from, from God. He gives you that. Become right with, your, with God. And then all other things will be added unto you. Get that one relationship right, the one with God. Be willing to admit the truth. Don't resent the truth when you see it. And then just see it. Don't try to do anything about it. Don't try to save yourself. Don't try to make anything right. Just see it and let God deal with you in his very gentle way. And life will be sweet. And life will be good, not because I say so, but because that's the way it will be when you refind your Heavenly Father. Until next time, Lord willing, and the creek don't rise. I'll see you then. Bye-bye. You have been listening to Shedding Shackles with your host, Roland Trujillo. Now you can listen to Roland anytime by logging on to www.sheddingshackles.com. You'll find lots of free, helpful information, and you can also order materials or make a donation by using your credit card. Once again, the web address is sheddingshackles.com. Please remember that Shedding Shackles is listener-supported. Thank you. 
Shedding Shackles is sponsored by Roland Trujillo.